welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. This is Joe Boris. Zachary Shahan is not going to be with us today. I am live at the ACT Expo in Long Beach, California, and I'm here today with Aaron Gilmore, who's the CEO of Wave. Aaron, thanks for uh, coming out and being a part of this with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Now, this is something that you what you guys are doing is really interesting. We've been talking about fleets and fleet management and fleet charging over the last couple of weeks here on Clean Technica because that is really kind of where the industry is right now. And I think, you know, it was electric cars for so many years and and that was kind of what people looked at, but the US automotive transportation mobility fleet is so much bigger than just, you know, the car that takes you back and forth to the Piggly Wiggly, right? I mean, we're talking about ports, we're talking about campuses, we're talking about municipalities, and these are all things that you are looking to serve and in kind of a smart way, because the problem that a lot of people bring to this and, and kind of say that this is the problem and point at is the downtime of having to plug in a vehicle at a dedicated charging station. Now, with Wave, you actually have a wireless solution that is a very high-speed charger that not only allows these trucks to reduce their battery, but also takes that downtime away. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, that was a great intro. I'm a professional. <laughs> <laughs> Wave, uh, Wave's been around about 10 years, actually, since 2011, headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah, and really over this last decade has been focused on trying to get wireless charging at high power to work and be, fi- be efficient, essentially. I think, like you mentioned, there's been a lot of focus on EVs and passenger vehicles, but the reality is the medium to heavy duty space, and particularly the heavy duty space, I mean, that's where the air pollution is really coming from in large percentages. That, that's where a lot of the incentives and dollars that states are putting in, that's what they want to offset because it has the biggest bang for their buck, so to speak. Yeah, and, and that's uh, a really good point because a, a guy running a diesel semi that's stuck in traffic idling away for 45 minutes, he's doing a lot more environmental damage than you know the, the kid in the Honda Civic that's still getting 40 miles a gallon. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but, you know, trucks are a necessity too. Trucks deliver everything that we have in the country. And so, you know, how do you, how do you make those uh, clean vehicles? And the real challenge is exactly what you pointed out with traditional plug-in charging, you've got to find time to charge. And a lot of these trucks in particular have very long duty cycles. They might be operating for 20 plus hours a day, especially in and out of ports. They may slip seat drivers in and you know, continue throughout the day. And so the question is, even if those are shorter regional routes, you know, how do you have enough battery on the truck mm-hmm. in order to uh, be able to cover that all day and then pull it into a depot at the end of the day? In a lot of cases, it's not possible. Yeah. So, Well, you make another good point about the depot, right? Because if, if you've never been in a, a big trucking depot, uh, or, or you know, seen something like a, an Amazon or a Walmart or some other large big box warehouse, a shipping warehouse. They line these trucks up real close together. I mean, these guys are expert drivers. I mean, I, I couldn't park a, you know a Fiat in that space, and these guys are putting a, a 18 wheeler there. But you can't back up a truck 
and have 20 of them side by side, real close together at a big warehouse and effectively manage cable charging. Because first of all, the, the cab is 40 feet away from the building. So you can't have cables that long. You can't have guys, you know, dock workers and stuff like that tripping over these cables. So how are you utilizing that time? And with Wave, they can be charging the whole time that they're being loaded and unloaded. Yeah, that's an excellent point. The warehouse distribution case that you're bringing up, you just can't run cables long enough. You can't have enough space for the dispensers, for the bollards and the setbacks that need to be so you don't run trucks into that kind of equipment. So in order I to line out of that, like you could yeah. just hit the equipment with the truck. That's a major issue. I mean, everything, if you're at a port, everything gets hit. If you talk to any of those terminal <laughs> operators, they're like, you know, bollards are 45 degrees quite often because things yeah. just get hit. Things move around. Everything's really heavy. Yeah. So the idea that you could put these charging pads, wireless charging pads, exactly how you want to line up the vehicles is a, it's a real estate benefit. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the warehouse distribution centers they wouldn't have any space for a depot to charge with plug-in. So they're probably talking about some other off-site location that they've got to pull these vehicles into and, and charge at the end of the day. The idea that we really have with wireless charging is that you can do it somewhere in your duty cycle if you analyze it, whether it's loading and unloading at a dock or whether it's in transit and you're doing it at bus stops or a transfer center. I'm even thinking about refuse where you know, refuse trucks go to transfer centers as well. If you can find the spots within the duty cycle to charge, then those vehicles can be running perpetually almost. Going right? slow or, or not going at all. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the other use cases we've thought about as well is all any, anywhere there's a queue. So trucking queues, like going into ports or port terminals. A lot of these, I, I know in Southern California here, I've heard the average wait time is above an hour and a half. Oh, yeah, so it's brutal. when you start thinking about that and if you, you've got an idea of how to queue and you, if you queue over wireless, then you're doing something within the duty cycle. Mm -hmm. It's not something extra that they have to plan to, to go, you know, do their charging. Have you guys talked about doing this like at way stations? Because every once in a while you see, you know, if you're if you've ever been on a, a long road trip, interstate road trip, you'll see these trucks lined up sometimes at the way stations where they have to come in, get weighed. And sometimes those trucks, those lines will be six, seven, eight trucks long. That seems like another uh, another good spot. Yeah, I think anywhere that you have queuing situations are, are good opportunities to do something where they had to wait anyway, you might as well be charging. And it's and it's without having to deal with the cables and, and actually have uh, you know plug-in. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm interested in this from the point of view of, of a real estate problem, right? Because if you look at a company, you know, like uh, the Flying J or the Loves or any of these other big truck stops the model has always been the truck pulls in, fuels up, and then stops for three, four hours while the guys shower up, eat, whatever it is they need to do, take a, you know, take a nap. With charging, the idea of putting in a whole bunch of chargers and having these guys pull up next to it, as you say, they're going to hit those things. And if they hit them, it, it doesn't just take out their charger, it potentially takes out all the charging. To build this into the ground, and just, I mean, that actually makes it easier for the trucker because they don't have to now stop at the pump. They can just pull right into their rest stop and then spend their downtime there. Yeah, it's really simple. You know, the the charging happens within seconds when you pull over the, the top of the pad and the truck recognizes what it's over, recognizes the actual truck that's there, and it will stop charging as you pull away. So there's there's really no hassle whatsoever in, in terms of doing that. We have the ability to have, you know, different fleets, and you can even think of like within a city, 
you had different kinds of fleets, whether it's refuse or, or school know, buses, school buses, any, any other types, they pulled over the same charger, uh, that charger will recognize, you know, what fleet is, is charging and, and you could actually even divvy out, uh, you know, who pays for that. Oh, that was going to be my next question, right? Cause one of the, one of the questions that comes up nowadays that, you know, 10 years ago when everything was theoretical, this kind of thing never came up was how do you pay for it? What's the payment mechanism look like? You know, we look at, again, electric cars, right? Which is the, the EV that everybody's most familiar with. If you've ever done a long road trip in anything but a Tesla, right? You're interacting with Electrify America, EVgo, ChargePoint. Some of them are an app, some of them are an RFID card, and it's like this, this big nightmare. Is that something that you guys, I mean, obviously, you know, if you want to give us trade secrets, that'd be great, but it's probably bad for your, for your uh, PR. But how are you approaching that model with some of these different fleets? I mean, if you have a pad where a municipal truck goes over it and stops there for whatever reason, it's a bus stop or anything like that, and then you have the same pad that services a FedEx location that's right there and the truck driver pulls up in that same spot, you would think that would be two different billers. Yes, and, and I can say so far, we, we don't have multiple fleets going over the same chargers and utilizing those same chargers. It's really been fleet by fleet, and, but the, the possibility is there. And because the communication that's going on, it can, it can actually recognize exactly which vehicle is over it. So the possibility of, of charging different fleets is there. Yeah. But right now, it's really been about trying to optimize utilization. It, it, it's always that way with chargers in general. Yes. You know, the charger is going to pay back, the vehicle is going to pay back the more you utilize it. That's where you get the offset in diesel fuel costs, right? The alternative and the maintenance and everything else. The more utilization, the faster you get a return on investment. In our case, we think you can get a much higher utilization than you get out of plug-in charging. The biggest project that we have so far is Antelope Valley Transit Authority. And even that only has 12 chargers in the ground, uh, 250 kilowatt chargers, but those have delivered over four gigawatt hours in the last wow. four or five years. So, so even though there's not that many of them, because you've put them in smart places, they, they've exactly. been doing the job. Yeah. Now, you made a comment earlier before we started recording about the speed of these charges. And I think early on, that was one of the objections. I know BMW has their kind of commercial pad that they sell to people mm. that you can have in your home garage, but it's slow. You guys are not slow. Yeah, those are definitely low power. And we're, we're charging, our, our smallest system is 125 kilowatts. So we've got a 125 kilowatt system, a 250, and we've got a 500 that has been demonstrated recently on a, a Cummins truck on a Kenworth chassis that's going to go into operation in the Port of LA area. Oh, that's very cool. That's kind of where we are now. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, you know, we're talking about these medium duty trucks and these big things and, and port authorities and over the road kind of things. But there's some fun stuff that you guys are working on too, right? Like you guys are in Universal Studios with the tram. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, yet another application where uh, high utilization makes a lot of sense. And so Universal Studios here in Southern California wanted to electrify and green their fleet for their, their tour that goes around the, uh, the campus there. And we have 500 kilowatt systems essentially providing power into to batteries there. And those are really uh, high-tech batteries. They, they accept a, 
a six to seven C rate in terms of charging speed. So you can have this very high powered charging and a very small battery and still run perpetually because every time the, the tram goes around, does its loop and, and does its tour, it gets a three minute charge as they load and unload passengers and, and they can continue to run. So it's, it's really, and that is a vision of what I can see a lot of different uh, duty cycles doing is, is have this essentially perpetual operation where you never have to pull a vehicle off put them in a depot and plug in the charger yeah. that you could just or run. even refuel them right because I mean, exactly if you have a diesel vehicle now that's doing that or, or you know diesel gas lpg cng whatever different technology it might be you still always have to stop and then go somewhere else and fuel it up with your system that goes away exactly that's that's definitely what we're uh, pushing for is to analyze the duty cycle so you're you're charging within that duty cycle and you don't have to quote unquote refuel. Mm. And, and that's where a lot of uh, fleets are, you know, complaining today in a sense as they go to EVs is that, well, it's, it's slower than it's slower to recharge than it would be to refuel diesel or CNG or right. one of the others. Well, but in this case, you, you can eliminate even that. You can eliminate even that. So now, so now you've eliminated the big objection, right? And it's not slower. It's actually faster. It's not even faster. It's zero. Right. That's wild stuff. So, I mean, obviously, in the few minutes that we've been talking, I can already visualize, you know, like I take my kids to the zoo and we sit on the thing and we go around the animals. So obviously that's one different application. Theme parks, you guys are already in there. What am I missing? I mean, you got to imagine inside a warehouse, there's a forklift that's going to be stationed somewhere that might be uh, electrified. But what are some of the applications that, unless you're in the business, unless this is, you know, un unless you're, the CEO of Wave, you don't even think about these things. Yeah. So we're, again, we're focused on the higher power. So mm -hmm. things like smaller forklifts in a warehouse, we're not doing There's at some this pretty point. big forklifts out there. But there are some big forklifts. There's, <laughs> and you get to ports and there's some very big top handlers that have tires that are six feet tall. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. And we actually have a couple of, uh, of projects uh, on top handlers in, in the port of LA as well that are about to go in. So yeah, you definitely can use this in lots of areas. Again, we're focused on the high power. Um, we're doing yard trucks in and around the ports uh, as well. So in the terminals that move the containers around, that's a great application. They're all contained within a yard. So the idea that you can stop and get a quick charge anytime in a 24 seven duty cycle could, could easily be done there. Um, drayage operations, uh, like I mentioned before, with the 500 kilowatt system, we're gonna we're gonna see deployed soon. You can run a very close to 24 hour kind of duty cycle there too if you have these located in the right locations. Uh, I think things anything that's a closed loop is a great uh, is a great opportunity. So yeah. I, I, an example might be airport shuttles, rental car shuttles from the airport. They run these short closed loops with short stops. But they also run, you know, close to 24-7. And, right. so, and they might be making 10, 15 stops along the way. And in that case, if you look at the economics of it, you can have, you could have one charger, though, just in a specific location, one of the places that they stop, and you can run lots of vehicles over that one charger. So it kind of gets you back to that high utilization case. Right, and you're where, running multiple vehicles over one charger effectively simultaneously where it's not like you have six trucks you need to put in six high-speed chargers. You have one high-speed charger, the six trucks stay in operation the whole time, exactly. and they charge it. Yeah, and that's, and that's how I think about uh, grid impact too. So 
you take a scenario where let's say you have 100 trucks or buses and your one alternative is to put them all in a depot. You know, you drive them all day, you put them in a depot at the end of the day, you plug them all in at once. Well, that's a lot of power on the grid. That's a lot of power all at once on the grid. And you have to size and... and uh, oh, right, and because you're charging all those machines at one time. At one time and at that full power. If you, if instead you have an opportunity to do what I was talking about, kind of this closed loop, you might have, you could have dozens of buses or trucks really operating on very few chargers. And so that, and because those chargers might be anywhere in the duty cycle, they're spread in space, because those chargers are just getting quick charges at different points throughout the day, it's spread in time. So you, now you've, you've sort of spread the load on the grid in space and time in that sense, and wow. you've made less impact on the grid. And you can kind of pick and choose too. If there's two locations in the duty cycle that kind of work, one of them has the grid support to power the high, the high power, and the other one needs to be built out. You just choose the one where the power is there. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, the key again is to just analyze that duty cycle and think about where's the smartest place to put this, so I have the least impact on the grid, which is going to lower my costs, lower my time to deploy, and then it's going to have the best overall economic return. So it's how many vehicles can I put over how few of chargers. Yeah. And that's going to create the that, economics you need. Yeah, you said something that that I, I I think works against you. You said smart, like this every everything you're saying. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> I'm definitely not the smartest guy in this room because you're looking at a lot of things in a very smart way. But people in general, they like simple things. They like sound bites. They like kind of really small, easy to digest concepts. What you're talking about here is pretty pretty heavy stuff. You got to do some, some mental lifting here to look at your fleet from a larger sense to figure out that point. Is that something that you bring to the customers or is that something they have to think out on their own and then say, Hey, wave, we want you to put a, a pad here. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. It, it is a challenge for sure, but I, we I are... always love getting complimented when I say I'm too stupid to figure this out. So <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> we, uh, you know, we, we are working on that and we want to bring that to, uh, to our fleet customers that are trying to transition into electric. There are a lot of companies out there that are developing different software that I, I would call them sort of route analysis sorts of software. And that's perfect to fit into what I'm talking about. There's oh, consultants yeah, yeah, yeah. that are building, build, they build those, it for, yeah. you know, transit fleets and, and, and such, because they, you know, that's always been their business to optimize how few buses you can take and cover yeah, all this area. There's there that where, one famous example where the UPS trucks only made right turns because they were losing <laughs> so much time doing left turns. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so that stuff exists and, and there are, you know, there are some fleets have that themselves or they rely on consultants or we're actually working with, with different folks to develop our own analysis tools to be able to walk into a fleet and do exactly what you described, which is, you know, here's your different scenarios. You want to go electric, you could go with a depot charging and do it here, and here's the sizing of your chargers, and here's the load on the grid, and here's how you do it. Or we can analyze your, your duty cycles and minimize the amount of chargers that you have and where can you put them in route. And you know what are your economics that result yeah. out of that? You could almost work it the other way. I mean, again, we're getting way conceptual here, but you could almost work it the other way, where if you had a big enough data lake, you could kind of pick and choose what the meaningful terms were and pull out of that the people who could benefit the most from what you're doing. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I've actually seen a company out there that uh, that has 
sort of geo data and you know through mapping can watch where vehicles go pulling in and out of warehouse distribution centers and things like that and you can actually start to gather that data and and go to a customer and say hey we we see that you you know run this many routes out this way and that way and here's how you might be able to optimize your network. So there's, right. there's companies out there doing all kinds of interesting things to, with data to yeah. try and analyze how you do this more efficiently. Yeah, well, I, I definitely hope they find you because I think that uh, what you're doing here is, is is pretty unique stuff. So listen, you, you were kind enough to come out on the show. It's, these are usually 20, 25 minutes long, so we're getting to about that point. You know, you're kind enough to give us your time and, and kind of give us a sense of that. Where can we go to follow along with what you're doing and kind of support what you guys are doing? I mean, is there a, a, an in-ground charging influencer? I made that joke with the Selectric guys. You know, is there a, a tractor influencer? And he was like, oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> so maybe, maybe there's a charging yeah. influencer that I'm unaware of. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know one. You, you might be uh, one of few that are out there I was gonna sort say. of influencing. Yeah, we, we have a couple million readers. It's do? probably us. Yeah. No, I, you know, we're, we're obviously going to put out news about our case studies and, sure. and some of our successes that we've had. Uh, there's some great stories and all that. I mentioned uh, Antelope Valley Transit Authority. Mm -hmm. Contra Costa County Transit Authority has a great example, too. It's been running for over six, almost six years now. And it's one of those kind of closed loop cases I was talking yeah. about where they're running eight vehicles with one charger and they there's can so run perpetually those. without yeah. a depot. You know, it's a great case study for people to think about and go, well, even, you know, I have a, I have a truck that does that. I have a fleet of trucks that do that kind of scenario. I, I have a farm tractor that goes out, mows the back 40 and always comes over this one right, pulling right. feed or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So we, we've got that and we've got, I mentioned the, uh, the top handlers in the port of LA. We've got some yard trucks going to the port of LA. We've a lot of things going on. So I, I think those are all great case studies for other fleets to look at and say, wow, if they can do it that way, you know, maybe I need to look at this myself and see what happens. Or I'd, I'd recommend any fleet that's out there, are you frustrated by how slow it is to kind of get <laughs> the utilities to be upgraded in a depot, you know, because you've got to charge all these vehicles. Are you frustrated by the amount of downtime? That you've got to have to charge, and, uh, and, and we know they are right because yeah. that's what they—that's what we always hear—is is how frustrating it is for them to have that downtime. So, you know, you certainly seem to have the better mousetrap. So, uh, I think uh, you know, hopefully, we just get the word out, and there'll be the path to your door, right? Is that—that's how it goes? Yeah, I, I mean, I—I'm certainly a believer. Of course, I—I'm the CEO of Wave, but uh, I, the reason I'm—the reason I'm here, biased. I'm a little bit Come biased. On. But uh, I think everything will be wireless eventually. It's just these medium and heavy duty cases that make the most economic sense today to be wireless today i today. think that, that's the, exactly that's the the, yeah. the key point but as you know with any diffusion of innovation which is like if you're listening to this i'll put it in the show notes diffusion of innovation is basically a bell curve where you have a, a very low percentage of adopters that are willing to pay just through the nose to get the new thing because it is so beneficial to them the cost comes down and you have more adopters and then that's kind of the meaty part of the bell curve and then at the very, very end, you have guys like me who are like, all right, 45 people that I know have this, I'll, I'll buy a used one. You know, so we're still in that early, early stage of, you know, even in automotive, which we, every car company is going, you know, electric, they're still at about five or 6% of the new car market. And I think in fleets, it's probably even lower than that. Yeah, it's definitely low. And I mean, 
the reality is we're very early in the autonomous vehicle market too. And you don't have to think very hard or very long very hard, to right? say, what are you gonna need when you're in autonomous vehicles? And those are coming and those are coming with trucks, come with the big vehicles, just like passenger vehicles. Oh yeah, they're gonna and need a lot of power. They're gonna the need nice thing automatic, they're gonna need automatic charging. There's not yeah. gonna be a driver to step out and, and plug in the charger. Yeah, so, it's not gonna be able, and that robot arm thing that ABB has, which like, yeah. it's cool and it's very, very high tech, but is that a viable solution for, you know, are you gonna have 6,000 of these things running yeah. to keep a port fleet going and then, you know, 2,000 of them get hit. And they're the all mechanical. Week. Yeah, they're all they're mechanical, all mechanical yeah. and mechanical items I gotta break down. Out. ABB's a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of companies that, uh, there's a lot of companies that have mechanical arm solutions and there's there's overhead panograph, which is being used with some bus fleets. I've seen that, well. yeah. But then that's an aesthetic problem, right? Because not only do you have to build exactly. that out in a city, yeah. But it's highly visible. It's very aesthetic. It's prone to the weather, right? If it gets iced over, it doesn't work. But if it's built into the ground, if it's an induction thing, you know, I guess, man, I really wish I'd thought of that 10 minutes ago. How does the road salting and the winter affect what you guys are doing? Or does it not? It, it doesn't. Yeah, because it's um, so, a magnetic induction, yeah, right? It's, and it's you can't insulate field. against magnetism. Yeah, it's a magnetic field. So uh, snow, ice, whatever might happen to be on the road, mud. Doesn't matter. It'll pass right through that. And you don't have to make that connection. Like if you get ice or salt or anything build up on the connector of the plug, yep. even though that might seem like that's a more concrete connection. I know I can plug in. The reality is that connector can go bad. It can get corroded. It can get dirty. Exactly. Even if the road is dirty, you, that induction is still there. That's where we see a lot of that early interest too. You, you mentioned, you know, some people want to buy it no matter what the cost. Some of them have the, the practical issue of, you know, you're in the Northeast or you're in Europe or somewhere where it's snowing, raining, weather is, is a real challenge. You yeah. think about getting oh, out. I'm from Chicago. Trust who me. wants to get out and plug in something, you know, that's at high power out in the rain? Yeah, and, I don't leave the house between <laughs> October and February. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that it, there's a lot of interest there for sure, but there there is really no impact. And and you made the point on visual impact. You know, we've only seen a few of these at this point in cities, whether it's overhead panograph or in these others. You got to think about scale. You know, what does this eventually look like? Are you going to have a city full of overhead yeah, panograph it's like those, chargers? It's like throughout? those old timey 1920s pictures of the phone lines where it just looked like a spider web over the city. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. If, you, if you're listening to this, I'll put it in the show notes, but there's these great pictures of what power lines and cell phone or, and, uh, you know, wired phone towers used to look like. And if you are under 30, you've never seen that. Like you have <laughs> right. no concept of what we grew up with and how nuts it really was. So, the idea that you would have this charging and this power and this connectivity without the need for those wires is is just it's huge. So I mean, Aaron, it's the inevitable future is what it is. It's the right? inevitable future. It absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, that, that, how do you wrap up a, an interview with the smartest guy in the room? I guess you just say uh, we're gonna have to, you know, thanks for being a part of it, and we're definitely gonna have to uh, keep track of what you guys are doing, and uh, that's it. The future is gonna be wireless, kids. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, 
send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thank you.